What's up, guys? Welcome back to the Glory UGA Podcast. I'm Tyler, and I got my co-host Curtis here with me as always. And today, as you guys can probably expect, is all about the much-anticipated Notre Dame game. I mean, I don't know about you, Kurt, but I know I've been anxiously waiting for this game and this trip since it was announced a couple years back. I know a lot of you guys out there are in the same boat. I would venture to say almost all of you are in the same boat. So, we will definitely take you deep inside the matchup between our dogs and the Irish as we preview the key personnel and matchups to watch. But first, just a few friendly reminders. You can follow and interact with us on Twitter at Glory underscore UGA. If you'd rather email us, so that's easier for you. You can do that at GloryUGAPodcast at gmail.com. And uh, you can also check out our Glory UGA Podcast Facebook page. And for our newer listeners, just a quick heads up that you can access all of our shows on iTunes, SoundCloud, and the Stitcher and TuneIn apps. We definitely, uh, first off, we appreciate any of you guys, all of you guys tuning in at all. We definitely appreciate that sincerely. Um, But we'd also appreciate it if you would rate, review, and share the links to the show. Kind of help us get the word out about the show now that this season is here. All right, Kurt, we have a lot to talk about, so let's not waste any more time. Uh, I'm a firm believer and the idea that the game of football, and really any sport, is all about matchups. Are you kind of on the same page there? Oh, uh, yeah. Yeah, it's all about matchups. How do your strengths and weaknesses match up with those of your opponent? You know, when, and when talking about predictions, I see a lot of people kind of just go down the position list and say, for instance, okay, uh, Notre Dame has the edge at offensive line. Uh, I'll give George the edge at linebacker. Quarterback is a draw, et cetera, et cetera. But when you do it that way, the thing is, like, our offensive line – will never be on the field with a Notre Dame offensive line. So, yeah, their offensive line might be better than ours, but that's almost irrelevant. They're not going up against each other. It's about the matchup of, for instance, in that instance, uh, the Notre Dame offensive line versus our defensive line. That's what matters. So, with this Notre Dame preview, that's what we're going to focus on. That's kind of how we're going to approach this and, and attack this discussion. So, we're going to look at the different matchups here uh, throughout, from, you know, from, from an offensive and from a defensive perspective. Let's start here, Kurt, with the Notre Dame running game versus our run defense. That's going to include the backs, offensive line, defensive lines, linebackers, front sevens, all that good stuff. So the Notre Dame running game versus our run defense. How do you see this matchup playing out? Who has the edge there? Um, this is going to be, I think, the matchup decides the game in all honesty. And um, I think right agreement. now, um, at the line of scrimmage, they may have the edge, but when it comes to everything else, I think we have the edge. Right. Um, the running back is not, you know, Josh Adams. Yeah. I mean, he's not a fight. He's, he's not someone that he's, he's not, not a game, game changer. changer. Yeah. So say he's a solid, he's like a Jordan Scarlett, a solid, solid starter, yeah. but not a guy who's going to change the game in one carry. Right. He's not a guy that scares the holy hell out of you. Um, now it does help that the quarterback is a little dual threat. Um, but that also can be stopped by what you do with your system. Um, that's one way, you know. How do you attack think, that offense, yeah. Yeah, I think our linebacker, our defensive speed overall helps, you know, counteract him. I think the biggest danger in them is just more or less the straight ahead, you know, straight ahead five yard, in the, within five yard range. I think that's where the games could be decided. Um, and I think they have the edge when it comes to size and experience there. Um, but I think one thing that'll help us is I think we see him have some quality depth at the defensive line this year, which has opening up things for our linebackers. Yeah, man, I, I'm with you. This is a critical matchup. I think this game could potentially be run, won or lost by our front seven, our defensive line. You know, uh, and to really kind of, I'm just going to echo a lot of things you said there. Maybe add a thing or two. 
look, this offensive line is very good, right? This Notre Dame offensive line. This is a good unit. Yeah, uh, very experienced. I think is the biggest thing. Yeah, I mean, you got four guys that have started multiple. They've started at least games in multiple years, uh, and and they're particularly strong in the run game, and particularly on the left side of that offensive line with two potential All Americans and Quentin Nelson at guard and uh, Mike McGlinchey at tackle. But as good as they are, and they are good guys, both those guys, McGlinchey and Nelson, could have come out last year and very well could have ended up in the first round, but they chose to come back. Um, and they, So they are good, but are do you are they really, in your mind, Are they, is, this, is this offensive line as good as their reputation really I is? Have, I think they may be a little overrated. Well, I think those guys are good. But one thing I really question, I mean, I know this is just my opinion, but if you're that good and you're a straight-up, you know, First round draft pick option. Why are you coming back to a school after a five and seven year with a ton of turnover, a lot of position coaches changing, and things I think like it was that? Four and even four and eight year. Yeah, but you're, eight, yeah, you, but your your point stands. They're they're, and they're coming back, even though you're going to be running a brand new offense. Your defense is changing. There's a lot of changes. Why are you coming back? Is one thing I really question. Uh, maybe because you, I don't know. You're right. I mean, do you, cause you I love mean, Notre Dame? You, they love the university and everything. Yeah, I mean, a lot of people do. But nowadays, when injuries can hurt you, you know, take your career in one play, be done. Could, yeah, I mean, it, it's it's it's, it's, a, a yeah, it's a legitimate point. Um, but could you say the same about like Chubb and Michelle? Well, no, because they weren't first round grades. Well, at least, though, yeah, I mean, it seems that way. I don't know if we, That's yeah, I get that Sonia Chubb, but. They were like getting third, third and later draft, you know. Results. And, they, and they both had subpar years last year. A lot of that, a lot of that was yeah, maybe not being their fault necessarily. The offensive line. Hear about how those guys were first round, you know, grades last year. Well, if that's the case, you know, then really, why would you come back? Yeah, I, I, that's an only that's a question only they can answer. But it is a very legitimate question there. Uh, but I mean, I, that's one thing that really gets me about this offensive line, you know, I mean, I can't count the number of times. I mean, Greg Pike. I mean, he had that great year. He was a, you know. Even uh, before he switched to tackle, his the year before when he was at guard was very underwhelming compared to what he had done. Yeah, his first year as a starter was by far Greg Pike's best year. I think it was a, a, as a redshirt sophomore. At that point, I was saying, dude, this guy could be a legit NFL first, second round draft pick. But then kind of he took a step back his junior year yeah, for whatever reason. Moved like, to tackle. Had scouts saying he was like the top five tackler. Yeah, as a guard. Yeah, and it just never material. I mean, obviously. You move him to tackle, and that's a totally different position. I think that did not fit his skill set at all. I think that was pretty clear if you watched last year. But you're right, even in his junior year at guard, he took a step back from where he was as a sophomore, uh, as a redshirt sophomore. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I can't answer that question for them, but I, I'll say this. Those guys are good. I don't know if they're quite as good as everyone wants to say they are, uh, as, the, as the common narrative is out there, but they are good players. I will say, watching them... It's particularly against uh, Temple, which is the only game they played this year. Going back and watching a lot of this tape over the summer as well, the left side is stout, guys. I mean, Quentin Nelson, Mike McGlinchey, they're the real deal. They're they're very good players. They get a lot of movement in the run game. But the right side, they're not. It's not a bad. It's not a, a. They're not bad on the right side, but they're also not dominant. Okay, they're definitely not the level of McGlinchey and Nelson. Um, so I, I I think while they do have some good players. I just don't think they're as dominant as you hear out there, as I said, as the common narrative is. And they are really good in the run game, but pass in pass protection, it's a, it's a little bit of a different story. These guys are maulers. They they are athletic, but they're not you know overwhelmingly athletic where they can they can really guard against speed rushers off the edge. So most of them are just big guys that if they kind of like I mean when they're you see Wilson right now, if you get your hands on you, you're in trouble. But if not, then you right. can make them. They're they're your traditional cliche big corn fed Midwest boys. That's that's what they are for the most part there. 
but it, but the production is kind of odd. You look at it last year; they were 80th nationally in rush rush offense last year. Were largely the same offensive line. Now they did put up 422 yards against Temple. Um, I know people say, well, it was Temple. It was the Temple Owls. Guys, I mean, Temple's a legitimate opponent. I know it's a different team from last year. Last year was a different year. But Temple won the American Conference last year. That's, that's a, they've turned into a respectable program. But a lot, a lot of those yards came, um, you know, you had the rush element now where you add Brandon Wimbush into the game where Deshaun Kaiser could run the ball, but he was not as much of a threat as Wimbush appears to be. So you had that factor into it. The thing is that he, he didn't rely on it. Cause you have to think uh... – Kaiser's freshman year, he was running all over people. His freshman year, he was much more run. He wasn't. I mean, I maybe it was last year protecting for the NFL. I don't know, but he just didn't. Also, I think that they get more comfortable in the pocket. Like you see, a lot of young guys have don't have great pocket presence, and that's you know I'll get into that later with uh, yeah. Thomas quarterback. But yeah, they don't always have great pocket presence, so they're always. I mean, any pressure, they're they're gone. They're running. Yeah, absolutely. And you mentioned Josh Adams. You're not particularly high on him, are you? Um, I mean. Like I said, he's like a Jordan Scarlett to me. If I had to compare him to someone, I mean, like that that caliber of back, not necessarily style, but caliber wise. Yeah, uh, yeah, the caliber. Like he's a solid contributor, but he's not just. He's not. You know, he's not a Nick Chubb or Sony Michelle to your team. He's not. He's. I would say this. He's just not special. Okay, he's a good back. I, you're right. He he's a good contributor. He's a guy that can that can do some things for them. But he's not a special or overly explosive running back. Now he did break a couple long ones against Temple. Um, but again, that's largely because of, and we'll get to this in a second, talking about the quarterback position, but Wimbush's threat with his legs, it just creates more running lanes and it gives you a numerical advantage. But he himself is not the one who's going to break big yards based on what he's capable of doing. He relies on a really good offensive line, taking that left side, and now with, a, with another running quarterback, that mobile threat in the backfield, that opens up more room for him to maneuver. Uh, defense have to pay attention, obviously, to the quarterback and, and him in the run game. So he's a good guy, and he can take advantage of those situations and those advantages that this offense presents him. But he himself, as a as a as a singular talent, is not a Todd Gurley level guy, like a, a special running back in, in that in that kind of in that stratosphere in that caliber. Uh, he's six two, two twenty five. He's not fast, okay? Like, he did break one of his, like, 60 yards against Temple, but he also got caught. And the guy comes from, like, literally out of nowhere. And he did have an angle on but he wasn't even in the frame and, and chased him down. So he's not particularly fast or agile, but he does run with good power. He's a bit, pretty big back, 6'2", 225. But again, I would not call him a game changer. The yards he gets are, are largely just what's, a, what's presented to him by that offensive line and with the, with the running threat at quarterback. Now let's talk about Wimbush, though, in the running game. This is a different dimension. Yes, Kaiser could run the football, and he did from time to time. But he did not run the ball as much last year uh, as he had earlier in his career. Wimbush, though, is a different story. What did you see from him in that game against Temple? Um, it's kind of like I was talking before. I mean, he's not the most comfortable in the pocket. Um, when it comes to passing, he's just... Uh... Yeah, I, I totally agree. But does he does he scare you with his legs? Uh, I think any mobile quarterback should scare you. When I again, again, we have one game to go on with Brandon Wimbush. He's he played a couple games early in his career, but he's basically been sitting on the bench for two plus years. This was his first career start against Temple. Uh, watched the game almost two times, so he got about a, one full time and got through three quarters a second time. But watching him, he's much more explosive and much more dangerous as a runner than I even anticipated. I expected him to be a mobile guy, but I expected him to be more along the lines of what Deshaun Kaiser brought to the table. He uh, he surpasses Kaiser in terms of the threat he poses the with his legs. One thing I noticed about 
push, though, is it's not a lot of scrambling. It's a lot of design runs that he takes. Yeah, I mean, yeah, there, there were definitely a, a, quite a few design runs, and they and also put in zone reads. And, and that, I mean, I know, and the one thing about that, though, is a lot of these teams, especially like Temple, don't face strong RPO teams where this is like playing us playing Auburn. Yeah, there's definitely some similarities there, for sure. I do think, I mean, you're. You're right in saying that he doesn't scramble necessarily a ton. There was a one touchdown play that he that he scored on where he where it was a scramble down near the goal line. So he will do it. But you're right. There's a lot of design quarterback runs. There's a lot of zone read elements that they put into the system for him. Uh, but and, and while he didn't scramble as you know a ton uh, against Temple, he still showed the ability to do that and the willingness to do that. So that's something as a as a defense coordinator you got to prepare for just in case because it's something that's in his arsenal. Defensively, he, you're going to see a lot of mush rush. Yes, yes, absolutely. Um, watching simple highlights, they, especially like the one where he runs in, there was no one keeping the edge. They all committed yeah. the DM, everyone committed in. And, and he almost easy. walked. He literally walked in the last yeah. 10 yards. There was no one there to stop him. I mean, yeah. They didn't do a good job of keeping the edge, like which is what you can't do against guys like that. Well, they brought pressure and they brought him the wrong way and he just rolled right and was like, okay, I'm just going to walk in the end zone from here. Um, and I think that, Playing teams like Auburn and some of these other teams, that's it gives you does give you somewhat of an advantage because you've had experience in, of doing it, especially with the guys that we have coming back. It's not their first time. Yeah, and he's much more of a of a run threat than Taylor Lamb was from Appalachian State. But you still have to prepare for Taylor Lamb with design runs, with scrambles. So we we've had a lot of work the past couple of weeks through fall camp, getting ready to to defend these types of guys. So you have two guys to open the season that are absolute dual threat quarterbacks. I do think Wimbush is more explosive from the quarterback position as a runner than, than Lamb was, but the fact is you have to prepare for both of them that way. So I, I imagine that we have a plan for this. Uh, he did run for 106 yards versus Timber, but it's not just about the yards. Just watching him run, he he's faster, more explosive, and just more of a threat than what they had last year with Deshaun Kaiser and what we saw against Appalachian State with with Taylor Lamb. And as I mentioned with uh, with Adams, the threat of Wimbush using his legs that's what creates more space for Adams, and that's what makes Adams more effective. If you had uh, just your your typical pro typical pro style quarterback back there for Notre Dame, Josh Adams would his numbers would show you that he is just an average running back. He's just a, a good solid running back because. If if the defense can basically scheme and game plan to stop him entirely and not have to worry about a mobile quarterback and worry about trying to keep the numbers advantage in the box, he's just he's just okay. But Wimbush being back there gives him a little bit more room to maneuver and allows him to be a little bit more effective from that tailback spot. All right, now let's look at this defensive line, though. Will we win this matchup? Will our rush defense, our front seven, will we be able to hold this Notre Dame running game in check? Quarterback, running back, offensive line in this totality. If we play similar like we did against App State, I believe so. Because the thing was, I mean, while, yeah, while we had a couple blown assignments, the one thing I did notice was our tackling was a lot better. And this gets a mobile quarterback like this and stuff. You can't, you can't miss tackles. You absolutely have to tackle, especially when he does try to scramble in those third, third down, third down long situations where they're in obvious passing downs. When, if you have a guy spying him, I don't know if we're going to be spying him, but if you do, or even if you're not spying, you, you you have him in front of you, you have to make a tackle in space. If not, and they convert third downs, that's how offenses like this kill you. That's how they kill you. When you have them those in the situations you want to have them in, where they have to beat you with their arms, and you allow them to scramble because you miss a tackle in space. So you're absolutely right. You've got to bring these guys down when you have the opportunity to do that, which is tough. It's one of the tougher things to do in football is to tackle in space. But that's what the modern game has become, where they spread you out and try to get those one-on-one matchups in space. Uh, look, I 
I don't know if I anticipate us entirely stopping their run game. I think the quarterback run option, having that option, just makes it very difficult to do that. It puts so much stress on a defense. I mean, we didn't even completely stop Appalachian State. Right? Yeah, I think the one thing you're going to really see is the definition. I think it's going to become a bend-don't-break type defense where you're going to give up some yards rushing, but you're not going to give up the deep ball. Yeah, people need to understand this offense is going to move the ball on us at times. They're going to score points on us. Like, I know our defense is very good. We'll get into this more uh, later on the show. But this offense is also very, very good and very, very dangerous with plenty of game-changing type players on this unit. So they will move the ball at times. They will score at times. We have to be prepared for that. I think a lot of people – have kind of fallen in the trap of just looking at their schedule or their, their record from last year saying, oh, they were 4-8, and eight. we should roll over them. Uh, okay, maybe we will roll over them, but you, I think you're being very short-sighted just by looking and saying, oh, they were 4-8 and eight last year, and just being dismissive of them like that. This team was better than 4-8 and eight last year. If you actually watch them play, there were a couple of games that very much could have gone their way and should have gone their way. Uh, they, were some, they were the victim of circumstances at times, like against NC State and that torrential downpour. Um, they should have beaten Navy and Jacksonville. They blew that. Now, they lost those games. But this team easily could have been a 7-5 and five team in the regular season like we were last year. So let's let's not completely dismiss them just saying, oh, they were 4-8 and eight last year. You're right. They're going to move the ball at times. We might be facing a situation where we're playing a little bit more bend but don't break and trying to play defense in the red zone and keep them from scoring touchdowns, maybe force field goals, which we couldn't do very well last year. Hopefully that's changed. Um, look, so I, I don't anticipate us entirely stopping their run game. But I do believe that we are big enough and we are talented enough up front to challenge this offensive line and force them to beat us through the air. I think we're talented enough to do that up front. They're going to have some time, like you said, where they move the ball. But I believe we're going to win our fair share of the battles. And I, I could see this being a draw, more or less. Are you kind of along the same lines there? Yeah, I could see that. Yeah. All right, let's move on to the other side of this. Right, the Notre Dame passing game versus our pass defense. I'm going to be honest, man. This is the matchup that has me losing sleep and dry heaving when I think about it. What are you seeing right now with this matchup? They're passing oh, with our defense. It really does worry me. But the one thing, while Malcolm Parrish is our best tackler, he is also a liability in the pass game. And it seems that Aaron Davis is healthy again. And him healthy may help us in the actual passing game because he is a better matchup against some of these bigger receivers. Yeah, he just has more size. He's longer and taller than any of our other cornerback options right now. Outside of Amir Speed, Amir Speed is not a, a, a starting option unless there's an injury. So uh, if, if Davis is healthy, I think that could be big. Uh, and I know you want a guy like Parrish, you know, he's got so much experience. But, I mean, look at some of, the, look at his, uh, some of his games last year against bigger receivers. He struggles. He struggles at times. He and, really struggles. It's not just a little bit. I mean, it's, I mean, it's nothing against him, but he's just, he's just. It's, it's just a matchup. I mean, he's vertically challenged. You know, it's, and it, I mean, not only that. I mean, the guy plays physical. You know, for his size, but sometimes you just can't. I mean, his, his arms just aren't long enough. Yeah, I mean, it really is just a phys, There's physical limitations there, and there's only so much you can do uh, in those situations. So, I mean. You never want to say you, you're okay with a multi-year starter being out for a game, but is this maybe a game where it's like, oh, I'm, I'm, it's not the end of the world that he's not in there? Well, and it helps that it's Aaron Davis. I mean, yeah. if, if you did have Aaron Davis, I'd be more worried. Right, if it's but a mere speed. He's got experience playing so many different positions that it's yeah. okay. Yeah, if we, had, if we have to try, and we're so thin, though. If Davis gets hurt, we might be trotting one of those young guys out there. If we have a couple injuries... And that's that's very scary. Although I, I really like some of the length we have in the young guys with Amir Speed, William Poole. Ah, man, at this point, are they ready to go up against that wide receiver core? I, I, that's probably not. Yeah, probably not. Probably not. But, um, I mean, this has me nervous, man. Look, they have one of the best 
wide receivers in America in Equinemius St. Brown. EQ St. Brown, 6'5", 200 pounds. He's, he's a thin dude. Don't get me wrong. He's very thin. But the he's guy... The player, you heard the, our George player saying that they want to just hit as hard as they can. Yeah, I mean, he's, yeah, absolutely. You want to be a physical guy like that. I think that's how you attack him. But if that ball is... If it's a jump ball situation, I don't care who we have out there. If it's a St. Brown in a jump ball situation, I like his chances against our guys. It just... And they use him like that. They'll, they'll just chunk the ball up there, especially in the red zone. He is a major red zone threat. They had a touchdown against Temple. They just throw a fade to him, and it wasn't even close. Like the, the Temple, I know it's again, I know it's Temple, but that's not a terrible program. Uh, but the guy, the, the Temple corner, had no chance. Like it, it wasn't even a contest. He just throw it. He just reaches up, grabs it, plucks it out of the air, pulls it down, touchdown six. And that's that's thing, something I can envision happening against us. Um, I'm highly concerned about that right right now, and it's not just yeah, St. Brown. Yeah, it's there, there's other guys out there too. You got Chase Claypool, you got Miles Boykin. Those guys are both six four or taller. How do we match up with three receivers that play significant downs for them that are six four or taller? If you look at our defensive and backs, think it, I, I think the wide receivers definitely have the advantage. I think it's going to also come down to um, one thing that we're going to have to do to counteract them is pressure pressure. Um, Wimbley um, or Wimbush, you've got you. Yeah, you have to get after him, but if you pressure him too much, like I said, he doesn't have great pocket presence. So if you pressure him in there, then that's one way to counteract it because you're gonna have him, his eyes not looking downfield, but more or less looking down, you know, right there trying to get some yards and things. And if you can do that, then you can take away some of the pressure. I definitely agree that getting pressure on him will be key, but you've got to be very careful there and pick your spots because if you and you've got to be very disciplined when you rush him. If you get out of your well, rush lanes yeah, and freelance, you're in trouble. He will he will scramble and he will he will convert those third longs with his legs, and that's just so demoralizing for a defense. You got to be dis. You're right, but we got to get after him. We just got to be disciplined when we do it. We've got to be disciplined. Um, but and, but it's. It's those guys. you got C.J. Sanders, Cameron Smith inside in the slot, posing a threat in space when you dedicate too much to stopping the outside guys. And they're tight ends, man. Look, I know that we have a really good tight end. I love the guys we have a tight end. I love them. But those tight ends that they have in Notre Dame, they are every bit as good as the guys that we have. And they have a couple of them. They have Alizé Mack, who was out all last year with an academic suspension, former big-time recruit. He's one of those true hybrid-type tight ends where he's big enough to block on the interior. Uh, but they also flex him out. Durham Smythe is a guy that, that missed a lot of time last year with an injury, but he's a guy that, that they really like out there, and he played really well, was a, was a threat against Temple. And Nick Weischer, he's another guy. So they've got three guys that, that they rotate in and out. Sometimes they'll put all three guys on the, on the field at the same time, a lot like we do. So it's not just the receivers. It's not just the big receivers. you got the slot guys, but it's not just those guys. you also got the tight ends to factor in here. So, I mean, it's it, to me, it's highly concerning. That wide receiver core and that tight end group, and correct me if I'm wrong here. I think it's clearly the strength of this entire team, including the offensive line. Would you agree? Um, yeah. I really would. I mean, the offensive line's close. But to me, the scariest component of this team is their pass catchers, their wide receivers, and that tight end group. But as good as those pass catchers are, you've got a guy at quarterback who is – and let's be real, guys – he has no more experience than Jake Fromm. Okay, he's been in a college program longer than Fromm has, so maybe he knows their system better. Probably does, although they have a new offensive coordinator. There's still some carryover in what they've been doing in the past. Uh, but in terms of experience, he doesn't have any more experience than Jake Fromm. So when you look at Wimbush as a passer, you talked about how he doesn't have a ton of pocket presence. What are you seeing from him? Is this a guy that we should be worried about beating us with his arm? Not really. I mean, he's not. I mean, to me, he's not even. He's a little bit less than Nick Marshall. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah, I mean, he, there's. I think they've taken a step forward in terms of his ability with his legs versus Deshaun Kaiser. But as a passer, I think he's a pretty significant step back from where Kaiser was last year. Um, the jury's still out on Wimbush. I'll say that. As a passer, it's still out. But what I've seen from him... He's not a he's not at Kaiser's level in terms of throwing the ball down the field. He has good arm strength, he does, but he was just a shade over fifty five percent completion percentage against Temple. So clearly, he's not always accurate. There were multiple times when I'm watching them in that game against Temple where he held on the ball just far too long, uh, which allows windows to close. He tries to fit it in late because he does have an arm. He's the kind of guy. It seems like he's I don't call him a gunslinger, but he trusts his arm maybe a little too much. And there were some things he did get away. with. There's a couple of throws he got away with against Temple because he was playing a Temple defense with Temple caliber players, which if you try to make some of those same throws against us, uh, I, I have a feeling that might be a pick six the other way or at least a, a key turnover. So uh, the jury's still out there. He has the ability, but I don't know how consistent he's going to be as a passer. I will say this, though. Like all dual-threat quarterbacks, Wimbush's legs are his best friend when it comes to the passing game. Those legs or what's going to force defenses to account for his ability to scramble. Uh, you mentioned the mush rush, right? And if you guys yes. aren't familiar with what, what, what a mush rush is, it's basically where you're, you're kind of semi-rushing, but you're not really pinning your ears back and coming after him because you want to contain him and not allow him to escape the pocket and make things happen with his legs in those passing situations. So you're, I think you're going to see a lot of that, and when you see a lot of that, that gives him time in the pocket to try to find some guys down the field. Um, it also allows him to see more single high safety looks because – Defenses have to react to his ability to run, uh, which and try to, and so they try to negate the plus one advantage his legs do provide in the run game. And when you, when you see more single high safety looks, these dual threat quarterbacks are in a situation where defenses have to be much more vanilla and much more transparent in the looks they show out there, and that provides for easier reads for these dual threat quarterbacks. And I know a lot of these dual threat guys put up huge numbers in the passing game. It's not that they're any better passers. Than a lot of the pro style guys, I would argue that they're not better passers, and they don't—they're not as advanced in reading defenses and coverage. You see that a lot of the dual threat guys who come out and go to the NFL—they—they're behind when it comes to reading coverages because they see so much single man-to-man coverage out there in vanilla looks based off the threat they pose with their legs. So that's his best friend. Um, but if we get him into those throw-on situations, that might not be to his advantage because we're not going to have to roll guys in the box in that scenario. So to me. This, again, just kind of reiterate, this matchup, Notre Dame's passing game versus our def- our defensive uh, backfield, our secondary, this is clearly the case of Notre Dame's offensive strength versus our greatest vulnerability on defense, our secondary. So I, it's tough, man. I mean, think about last year. I know, again, this is a different year, but it's a lot of the same players that are back there in our secondary. How do we match up with receivers who had a lot of size last year? Like, oh, I don't know, Ole Miss maybe. Um, not as good. No, Ole Miss, Missouri. Those guys torched us, okay? So that's why I'm highly concerned about this matchup. I just am not, right now, I'm not 100% sure how we match up with that size. I hope we have a game plan for it. Uh, I'm sure we will try to do some things, but it's highly concerning. All right, before we flip it over to the offensive side of the ball for us, let's talk about the defensive game plan coming into this game. If you are Mel Tucker, put your coaching hat on here, man. What is your defensive game plan coming into this matchup with Notre Dame? Really, just forcing them to beat you with the run and not the deep ball. Really? See, I'm. I might look at it the well, opposite. I think the biggest thing what I'm what I'm going to try to do is I'm going to force try to force them as you said a little bit ago, force them into long third downs. Yeah, no doubt. But I think to do yeah, absolutely. So, but I think to do that to get them in those long third down situations, I think you got to try on first and second down to take away the run game. 
Uh, and that's and that's a tough proposition with an offensive line that is as good as they are, and especially when you have a mobile quarterback back there uh, with a quarterback run game as an option. But here's what I would try to do, and I don't know if we're going to be able to do it. And tell me if you disagree. I, I would come out trying to stop the run with our base nickel looks without rolling a safety down into the box. I would try that. It might not work out. We might have to, to change up that, that strategy very quickly. But I think we've got to at least attempt that. Because if we can do that, if we can slow this offense down without having to commit additional defenders towards the line of scrimmage, it's going to allow, it's going to help us. This is going to allow our undersized corners on the outside to give us help for those guys. Those corners cannot match up man-to-man consistently throughout this game with those big Notre Dame receivers. It's just not going to happen. But if we can keep two safeties deep, if we can keep a two-high safety look, it's going to allow us to help those undersized corners on those bigger wide receivers on the edges. So to me, that's what this game is going to come down to. I know everyone wants to talk about Fromm, but I really believe that if we win this game, it's going to be, like we said at the outset, it's the defensive front seven that's going to win it for us. If our defensive front seven is able to hold the line of scrimmage and to win the battle in the trenches without having without us having to commit additional defenders in the box, then I think we win this football game. I really do. I know Fromm's important, yes, but I really believe that that's what this is going to come down to. The question is, Kurt, do you think that we're going to be able to do that? Um, I think there's a chance. There's there's definitely a chance, for sure. I mean, I really like our defensive front seven. I, I think we have one of the best best front sevens in the entire league. But I'm just not 100% sold on it right now with, against this team. I'm not sure we're going to be able to do that due to Wimbush's ability to run the football. He's going to give them the numerical advantage in the box. And in, in those scenarios, it doesn't matter if our team's line is big, strong, and talented. And, that, and that's the case. Because it's, it's not a matter of talent. It'll be a matter of numbers. Sure, we can win a few of those battles even when we don't have the numbers advantage here and there. But we're not going to win enough of them when Notre Dame has the numerical advantage. So chances are, at some point, we're going to have to roll that safety down uh, on the early downs. And that puts us in a very precarious situation where somebody, be it St. Brown on the outside or maybe one of their talented tight ends working in the middle of the field, but someone is going to be getting single coverage. And if, and if they can consistently force us into those looks, that's when it gets scary for me. So, dear God, please, front seven, bring your A game. Be ready to control that line of scrimmage without us having to commit other guys in the box. Because that's, to me, that's what it's going to come down to. It's what it's going to come down to. Uh, all right, so let's roll. Let's, I, let me ask you this, though. Before we move on to the offensive side of the ball, when we get in those third and long situations, how do you attack them in those situations? I know you, you're talking about the mush rush, but you also want to get some pressure on them. What kind of defensive looks do we want to throw at them if we are able to get them in those third and long looks? I like that look that we saw in practice where uh, we bring uh, safety in as another linebacker. Yeah, ba- our, basically our dime package. And, and what we did, Air Davis was out most of the game against Appalachian State, but in, in those scenarios, at least against Appalachian State, we brought D'Angelo Gibbs in as an extra DB. You take Natchez Patrick out. You move. We moved um, Dom Sanders up into that linebacker role. Then you've got J.R. Reed back there at safety with Richard LeCount, and, that, and that, that's a pretty formidable look there. For, so I, I'm with you. I think that's going to be something that we'll definitely use. And with that look, I would very much like to see us bring a lot of zone pressures, okay? Because like I said, Wimbush, he's been in college longer than Jake Fromm. But in terms of actual game experience, he's no more experienced than Fromm is. So I think if you pressure him from different angles, if you confuse him, it, you're going to force him into mistakes. 
And the reason I say bring zone pressures, I prefer playing zone behind the pressures we bring for three reasons. Number one, it's because I simply don't trust our corners, like I said, to consistently win those one-on-one battles with those Notre Dame wideouts. Number two, man coverage is just simply easier for a young quarterback or an experienced quarterback in this case in Wimbush to read and diagnose. You want to make him think and confuse him and force him into mistakes. And zone coverages allow you to do that more so than a simple man look. And number three, Wimbush trusts his legs right now. At this point, he trusts his legs far more than he does his arm. So when the bullets start flying and he feels pressure, he is more than, more than likely he's going to take off and try to make something happen with his legs and just stand there in the pocket. So if we're in man coverage when that happens, when he takes off and tries to scramble, we're going to have our backs to him, and that's going to open up running lanes for him to attack. I mean, sure, we could spy him in those cases, but if you do that, you take a guy out of coverage, and that's still going to put us in a position where we're relying on someone, as you said earlier, to tackle a dangerous runner one-on-one in space. So I, when we get them in third-long situations, which I hope we do consistently, I would love to see us bring some zone pressures. That's how I would attack this quarterback. All right, now let's flip it over to the offensive side of the ball for us here. So let's look at the matchup here of our running game versus the Notre Dame run defense. How do you see this one playing out? Um, I think we have the advantage. I know our offensive line is not great, but they have such little experience coming back, and uh, you know they're. I just don't. I just don't think that they have the size. I mean, what hurts us? They're bigger bodies. It doesn't matter how talented they are. We just have trouble with bigger bodies, and that's not them. That's yeah. I mean, they they have a guy here or there, but. They're not, they're not big, and they're not super talented up front. They don't have those special game-changing defensive tackle type prospects. They just don't have them right now. Uh, but I'll say that, so for us, like as as concerning to me as the matchup of, of their passing game versus our pass defense is, I think for us, our run game versus the Notre Dame run defense, this is clearly our biggest matchup advantage anywhere in the field. Would you agree with that? Yeah. Yeah. And their numbers, I mean, against Temple in the one-game setting here, their numbers were solid against Temple. They held them to under 100 yards rushing. But that's also largely because Notre Dame got up really big early in that game, and Temple was playing catch-up and, and for the most part, kind of abandoned the run. Uh, But as I just said, I I still don't see any true game-changing talent in that front seven. They run a few more run blitzes on early downs than they used to uh, with a kind of new attacking style. The new defense coordinator, Mike Elko, who came over from Wake Forest, at linebacker, Niles Morgan's definitely their top linebacker, but he's got a little stiffness in his game. And his counterpart linebacker, Greer Martini, he really lacks athleticism. He's a guy that I think we can target and take advantage of. Um, Mike Elko, the new defense corner, he does employ the use of a rover, kind of like a hybrid linebacker safety type guy. Drew Tranquil is a guy who's uh, played a lot of football for them. He's kind of filling that role for them right now. He plays it well. He, he really is kind of that hybrid type guy. I guess you call him a box safety or a space backer. One of the two is kind of that in-between type player. I do still have some lingering concerns about our offensive line. But all in all, I, after watching the Appalachian State game a couple of times, I think all in all, the line played fairly well against Appalachian State. I know Appalachian State was clearly undersized. It kind of plays into to our hands there with the offensive line. But I, I think the addition of Solomon Kinley and his 330 pounds of beef on the interior, if he is healthy and ready to go, I think that will help out tremendously against this Notre Dame unit. And, of course, you got the, the, the stable of running backs with Sony, with Nick, with Swift, with Harry, maybe Holyfield if he's back. But I think we've got plenty of depth there, and we've got some stud players in the backfield. So I believe this is something that we can lean on and something that can definitely uh, help us win this football game. All right, let's flip it over to the other side, though, or to the other element for us offensively. Our passing game versus the Notre Dame pass defense. How do you see this one playing out, Kurt? Um, 
Well, we do have the inexperienced quarterback. Uh, they don't really scare you. I mean, just overall, their defense doesn't scare you. They don't have a lot of experience coming back. Yeah, I mean, as as bad as their run defense was last year, and that's been the talk all offseason, right, is they just can't stop any. We're going to run all over them. There's a bunch of Georgia folks out there. They just say, you know, yeah, we're going to run all over them. They can't stop us. We're going to, we're just going to run down their throats and win this game. And I, I hope to God that happens. I really do. But as bad as their run defense was last year, their pass defense, if you really watch them, it was probably worse. Their their total pass defense ranking was pretty good. They're like top 25. But that was also because they had two option teams on the schedule and they played NC State in torrential downpour where nobody could throw the football. And, most, and NC State really didn't even try to throw the football. If you look at their average yards that they surrender per pass, it was 83rd nationally. That was more in line with where this defense was um, in terms of stopping the pass last year. But I believe in our wide receivers, and I believe in our tight ends to win those matchups on the outside and in the middle of the field. Their linebackers, I really think we can take advantage of them, particularly Greer Martini. I think that our tight ends can win those matchups consistently if we will actually use them, God willing. I mean, who knows? We Still, I don't think we use our tight ends as much as we could and probably should. Uh, but I think we can win those matchups. I like our matchups on the edge. We've got Wims, Ridley. I think I like Terry. I like the slot. I like. I really do like our receivers. I know there's not a ton of proven production there, but I think there's plenty of talent. And I, I think that we have way more talent at our wide receiver and tight end positions than they do in their secondary. And I also believe in Jake Fromm, man. I, I do. I believe in the guy. He's going to make mistakes. I'm not going to sit here and, and say Jake Fromm's going to be perfect. He is not. He's a true freshman. He's going to make mistakes and let's not put the expectations too high on him like a lot of us did with, with Easton last year. He will make mistakes. He will leave you scratching his head sometimes. That's just what true freshmen do. When you don't have the experience, you're seeing things for the first time, especially now they're going to be able to game plan for him. There's going to be mistakes made. But make no mistake about it. Fromm's also going to do a lot of good things at executing this offense. And I'll say this about Fromm. If the wide receivers are running open, he will hit them. Okay, He will hit them. And if he hits enough of them, then we can we can win this football game. Uh, is there anybody on their defensive line in terms of rushing the passer that scares you? I know they're not super talented up front in terms of stopping the run. They have any no. pass rushers that you're looking at? No. The only guy that even remotely comes to mind for me, uh, if you ask a Notre Dame fan, they would they would identify him. That's Dalen Hayes. I didn't play a ton last year. He played some, but he's the one guy on defense number nine that you have to make sure to at least identify. And take care of him in pass rushing situations. Outside of him, though, they don't really have anyone on that front that scares me as a true pass rusher, which is that's a little encouraging if you think about our offensive line and some of the issues that we had last year. All right, now if you're Jim Chaney, big Jim Chaney here, man, put that offensive coordinator hat on. How do you attack this Notre Dame defense? Is it as simple as just run the ball every single down? No, I think you're going to have to run some RPOs. I think you're just going to have to go a little um, um, go a little speed sometimes. Go with just, tempo? Think, yeah, tempo. I think you're going to have to just really attack them short within in quick patterns, in and out, um, trying to wear their guys down and, you know, get the – and once you go tempo and you're going quick passes in and out, that gives you the chance later in the drive to then stuff it down their throat with your bigger linemen. Yeah. That's that's very similar to what I would do coming out. Of the yeah, I, you're not to me, especially in a first start with a coach that has a history of trying to disguise his coverages. You're not going to want to attack him deep, but instead you're going to want to attack him in the um, short you know, in, the, in the you know first short intermediate range. Yeah, yeah, in the intermediate range. Yeah, you want to attack him there to where you have quick you know three step drops at the most instead of trying to take some deep seven five seven step drops. 
think you want to attack him with a three-step drop, try to attack him quick, um, just get the ball out of the quarterback's hands and let your playmakers try to make plays. We did a lot of that, three-step drops with Fromm. And I, and I don't know if that was a game plan specific thing or just what we felt comfortable with him in the game against Appalachian State, but once he came in, we saw a lot more of those three-step drops, getting the ball out of his hands quick. Uh, so maybe we'll see a lot more of that, and I think you're right. I think that could especially be very the, helpful. Especially with a team that knows it's going to be a freshman year, see them trying to mix things up. and I think that's the quickest way to counteract that is just get the ball out of his hands and not give him time to think. Yeah, that's a fair point. For me, I know this is going to sound weird because I, I said that our biggest advantage against this Notre Dame defense is our run game and run the ball down their throat. And I know a lot, a lot of people expect us to do that early and often and just basically run the ball every single down. And maybe we will. But if I'm Jim Chaney, if I'm the offensive coordinator, and I'm not, and there's probably a reason for that, and maybe this wouldn't work, but I come out slinging the ball around. That's what I do. I open the game throwing the football around. There's a couple reasons for that. Number one, Fromm is just more comfortable doing that. That's what he did all of his high school career. Okay. Now, I know he's trying to transition to more of a pro-style attack, although I don't know if there are any true pro-style attacks anymore. Uh, the spread has proliferated so much as infiltrated even pro-style systems. But Fromm is just much more comfortable doing that, sitting in the gun, operating with tempo, as you mentioned. And look, I realize that's not what we want our team to be. That's not what we, what we want our offensive identity to be. But to me right now, you got to do what wins football games. And I think this is what's going to win football games with Fromm at the helm at this point. Do what he's comfortable doing. Sit in that gun, operate with tempo. You're right, get the ball out of his hands, but sling the ball around early. And the second reason for that is... Look, Notre Dame is going to do what every single team does to us right now, especially when you have a true freshman at quarterback who they might, might or they probably don't respect all that much, at least not as much as Eason. They are going to load the box early and often. They're going to roll those safeties down, and they're going to try to slow down our run game. And that's what you do. As a, as a defense coordinator, you try to take away the offense's strength, first and foremost. Our strength is clearly running the football. That's what we want to do. They're going to try to take that away. When they do that, we have to make them pay. We could not make any teams pay last year when they did that to us. We've got to make them pay to loosen them up. Right now, our offensive line, although I think it seems a little bit improved of where we were last year, our offensive line just still, in my opinion, is not good enough to consistently win those battles when defenses roll safeties in the box and they outnumber us up front. So we have to give our line a fighting chance by loosening up the box, and you do that by throwing the ball early and often and completing some passes. And then after you do that, I'm completely with you. Establish that first and then pound them into submission late. That's the strategy that I would take coming into this game. Sling the ball around, force them to respect from as a passer, hit some balls down the field, hit some balls in the intermediate range, and then keep them off balance and pound them into submission late in the game. I think that is the key to victory here. I think that's the route we should take. We'll see. Um, they get paid to do that. A, lot, a lot of money, a lot more money than I get paid to, to come up with these game plans, but I think that's a game plan that could definitely work against this Notre Dame defense. All right, well, now let's move on here a little bit. We're going to give our, each of us are going to give our biggest reason that we're optimistic about this game, and then our also our biggest cause for concern on the other side of the coin. So, Kurt, I'm going to open up with you, man. Give me the biggest reason for optimism coming into this matchup with Notre Dame. Um, I think we're just bigger and quicker. All, all the way around? Is there anywhere in particular you're looking at? Especially on the offensive side of the ball against our defense. Yeah, I, I definitely agree with you there. For me, the biggest reason for optimism in my mind is simply this. As the game wears on, as I just mentioned, we should be able to run the football against this defense, especially if Fromm can hit some balls down the field early to keep them honest. Uh, this defense, as we've mentioned, is not particularly great against the run or, their pa- or the pass, which is going to allow us to be balanced. So if, if we can hit some balls early, force them to respect Fromm as a passer, then run the football 
late in the game, or in this coming out in the second half, run the football, run the football, run the football, pound them in a submission. I think that we can control the clock and and win this football game. So I think I think there is reason for optimism there. Certainly, it's not all doom and gloom. But on the other side, I think there are some legitimate reasons for concern here as well. Kurt, what is your biggest reason for concern? I'll go right back to offense. Um, you know, their offense is going to score some points, and I don't know if our offense can put up enough to challenge them. I'm uh, I'm on the same page with you here. I'm going to be a little more specific, but I'm, I'm definitely in agreement with you. My biggest cause for concern is not personnel-wise necessarily. It's not talent-wise. I think we are the more talented football team than Notre Dame is. But my concern is on the coaching side of things. I'm concerned that our coaching staff is going to be too conservative with the offensive game plan given that we have a true freshman making his first road start, his first any start, in such a big game, okay, with such a hyped-up game, especially on the Georgia side here. As good as our defense is, and I, and I think we are very good defensively, but then the matchup of their wide receivers are DBs, that scares me. They, you know, Our DBs aren't terrible, but clearly that's the most vulnerable unit on this defense. But that scares me, okay? As good as our defensive defense is, that matchup scares me. And we're going to have to score points on offense. They're going to score on us, guys. I'm not saying they're going to put up 50 on us. I'm not sitting here saying that, but they're going to score some points. And we're going to have to score points, obviously, duh, you know, obvious statement of the day. But we're going to have to outscore this team. We're not going to win this game with 17 to 20 points. We're just not going to do that. I, I don't see that a scenario where that happens. I've been wrong before. I'll probably be wrong again. I just don't see a scenario where we win this game with 17 to 20 points. We've got to put points on the board. And we are not going to be able to do that if we come out with this conservative game plan designed to protect a true freshman quarterback. We have to score the football. And we have to recognize who Jake Fromm is and let the guy play. Let him play, all right? If if he makes mistakes, let him make mistakes, but he's also going to make some plays for us, all right? So don't handcuff the guy. That's my biggest concern, that we're going to come out, we're going to handcuff Fromm, and we're just going to put ourselves in a position where we're not going to be able to score enough points to hang with him. That's my biggest concern. All right, let's move in. The last thing here, we're going to move into our week two picks. Right now, uh, week one curse, it was very close, man, but... I've just squeaked one out against you due to the tiebreaker in the Alabama-Florida uh, State game. So right now, i got week one, so I'm up one nothing in our picks of the week. But you got a chance here, man, to pull back even here in week two. But what's close last week? All right, first game, we're going to start one that's not – there's a, quite a few big games on the slate, but this one's not the biggest game. But it's an SEC game, so we'll talk about it. TCU, the Horned Frogs, are heading into Fayetteville, Arkansas to face the Razorbacks. Kurt, who are you going to pick in this? And remember, guys, we don't pick against the spread. We just, we just pick straight winners. Kurt, who are you taking in that game? I'm going TCU. Any particular reason? I just thought Arkansas was very unimpressive. Uh, they still couldn't protect the quarterback yeah. against FAMU. Yeah, against FAMU, which is you know clearly not an overwhelming opponent. I'm also going TCU here. I know it's at Arkansas, and you would think that would give them the leg up here. I just think TCU has more skill players than Arkansas does at this point. And Arkansas, you know, for so, for so many years under Bielema, they made their, their hay run the football, but they're just not the same up front that they were early on in his tenure. And this Arkansas defense, do they have any playmakers? I mean, is there anyone on that defense that can be considered a playmaker? Right now, if there is, I haven't seen him. So I think TCU led by Kenny Hill, who, uh, who has, you know, he has those moments where he's really good, and he has those moments where he's, where he's just... He's okay, and he's, he's kind of a liability at times. But I think this is one of those moments where he's going to be um, definitely a strength for them. It's going to lead them to victory in Fayetteville against the Razorbacks. I'm with you there. All right, uh, South Carolina at Missouri. Dude, I am so interested in this game, and I'm pissed off. I am really pissed off that our game is at 730. There's so many good games that night, and this is one of them. 
an underrated game, but I think a very interesting game. South Carolina at Missouri. How do you see this one playing out? I'm going Missouri. See, I think it's a toss-up. What, what, in your mind, what's giving Missouri the edge? I think that their offense is still just too powerful for South Carolina. South Carolina was able to put some points up against NC State, but they also really, for the most part, couldn't stop NC State, and NC State's offense is nowhere near the firepower. Yeah, NC State doubled up South Carolina in total yards. They didn't win the game, yeah, and I mean, but and they also, doubled I mean, them South up. South Carolina had the advantage with the, the kick return for a touchdown, things like that. Yeah, kick so return for a touchdown, short field with an interception, which they did yeah. capitalize on to their credit. But if you look at total yards, and I know that that's not how you win or lose games, it's points, but they got outgained by a tremendous margin against NC State. Uh, I do think it's a toss-up. I think both offenses are very good. But I do think the Missouri offense is a little more explosive at this point. Hell, they just put up 800-plus yards, although their defense is terrible. Um, but it still looks terrible. But uh, they put up a ton of points. And, uh, granted, it was Missouri State, but this is Missouri offense. put up 500 yards a game last year. Everyone's back. I think they're a little bit better offensive, a little more explosive. The South Carolina defense is probably a little bit better than the Missouri defense, but neither one are great. I'll say in the end, I think the home field advantage and Drew Locke make the difference in this game. And I'm going with the Missouri Tigers as well. All right, um, next, now we're getting some of the big ones here. Auburn heading to the fake Death Valley in Clemson, South Carolina. How do you see this one playing out? Uh, I'm going Auburn. Dude, I thought I thought this would be a difference. I'm going Auburn, too. Why are you picking Auburn? I thought you were going to go Clemson for sure. I just think that this is the game where Clemson gets exposed. Is Auburn equipped to do that? I think they are. I think they are a solid team. Not a great team, but solid team so far. Yeah, I'm sticking with Auburn. Man, I picked Auburn in the preseason when we did, when we went through our predictions for the year. I had them winning this game. I know Kelly Bryant looked pretty good last last week against Kent State, but Kent State's like a they are a contender for like a bottom ten team in the country this year. They're they're terrible. They're not very good. So I don't know how much you can take away from that. Cam Petway is coming back for Auburn in this game to compliment Jarrett Stidham. Stidham didn't look like the, a world beater uh, in game one against Georgia Southern. But he did some good things, and I think it'll be a little bit different story now that they got to open up a little bit against Clemson. You got Petway back at Kyle Davis coming back at wide receiver. And I've said it before, I'll say it again. This Death Valley thing at Clemson, that stadium is not that intimidating. It's just freaking not. It's not that intimidating. Uh, and I still have questions about Kelly Bryant against a legit defense. I know he put up pretty solid numbers against Kent State, but that's a, a bottom 10 team in the country. Uh, against a, a, a legit defense like Auburn's going to throw out on the field, I have questions about Kelly Bryant. I think it's going to be a tight game. I think it, could, it really this is another toss. It could go either way, but I'm going to stick with my preseason prediction here. Uh, I think Stidham has a breakout performance. I think Petway is going to be back with a vengeance, and uh, Auburn pulls this one out on the road. All right, next we're going all the way to the West Coast, Pac-12, USC at Stanford. I'm going USC. I just think they're a better team. Um, they didn't start off hot last week, but I think they're going to rebound. Okay, are you on the, the Sam Darnold hype train? I think he's a good guy. I don't think he's the best in the nation. Would you take him or Josh Rosen at UCLA? Probably Darnold because he's not as much of as a D-bag. Yeah, I mean, yeah, he's at, that's absolutely 100% true. Uh, I would take Darnold because he he's also a guy that – he's not a true dual-threat guy, but he can make things happen with those legs. He's a really good quarterback. I just – and I know I picked USC to go to the playoff. That's almost by default. Because I think all the all these teams out there have have some some major flaws, and this is not so much just about that first game as Western Michigan. Western Michigan is a solid program. They were really good last year. Went to a, a New Year's Six Bowl. Don't, they're the PJ Fleckless Michigan, Western Michigan Broncos now, but still a solid program. 
Um, but I just I don't know if USC. Now that I keep thinking about it, I don't know if their entire roster is elite at this point. They're getting closer to that point. They have some elite players at spots. Uh, definitely Sam Darnold. Ronald Jones is a really good running back. But I don't know if they're elite across the board. Stanford, you could probably say the same thing. But I really like the way Stanford plays football. They're coming off a bye week here. And then they had that that week zero game in Australia against Rice where they just absolutely wiped the floor with Rice. My question about Stanford is can they score enough against USC? I'm not 100% sold there. Uh, but I'm going... I'm going with Stanford. The bye week, I think, is the difference here. Allow them to, to prepare for USC. I think they're just going to be too physical for USC. I'm not a thousand percent confident in this pick, but I'm going to go a little different here on you, man. And I'm going I'm to go Stanford gets the big road win. All right. Next one here. Probably the, well, at least it's being hyped as the biggest game of the weekend. I think our game is the biggest game of the weekend, but I mean, what else am I going to say? But Oklahoma traveling to Ohio State after Ohio State came into Norman last year. Beat the Sooners. Can Oklahoma return the favor? I think I'm going to Ohio State. I think the extra couple of days that they got to work on Oklahoma helps. And also, the, just the, it's, a, it's intimidating to play in the horseshoe. And the fact that I think they should have better athletes. Yeah. Their D-line is just so good. It really is, man. That, def- that defensive line is an Alabama caliber front defensive front. I and mean, they really are. The whole front seven is really... Man, this is another one. I feel like all these games are toss-ups because it is so early in the season, and we just we only know so much about these teams with with one game under their belt. So it's hard, man. It's so hard to pick these early season games. I, look, I think Baker Mayfield is a baller. I, I mean, I love why I love watching Baker Mayfield play. The swagger he plays with, the confidence he plays with, I love it, man. I love watching the guy play. But man, that Ohio State defense, like you said, they are legit, particularly that front seven. And I, I'm not. Super confident in JT Barrett. I think he is an average quarterback at best. I think he gets way too much hype with the production he puts on the field. I think he's the beneficiary of a lot of talent around him. Uh, J.K. Dobbins looked really explosive in that first game against Indiana. You get Weber back, uh, also in the backfield. I think Ohio State's the more talented team overall. Oklahoma lost a lot of guys last year, a lot of production. I know they looked fine in their opener, but I just feel like Ohio State's the more talented team. Oklahoma's the better quarterback, but I'm not sure how much help he, he has around with P. Ryan gone, with Mixon gone, with D.D. Westbrook gone. Uh, I, I'm, I'm going to Ohio State here. I mean, it's, it's hard for me to pick against Ohio State, especially at home, at night in the horseshoe. I want to go Oklahoma because I love watching Baker Mayfield, but I'm going with the Buckeyes too. All right, so I guess the only difference we have, man, is USC Stammers to come down to that for us here. All right, the biggest game of the week, at least in my opinion here, is our Georgia Bulldogs heading into South Bend, Indiana to take on the Notre Dame Fighting Irish. Kurt, I'm going to let you go first on this one, man. Give me your prediction for this game. I'm going Irish 35-24. to 24. You're breaking my heart, man. You're Gotta breaking my heart. No, I know, I know. And obviously, you know, we know you don't want that to happen. I'm just worried that our offense is not going to be able to stay on the field long enough to give our defense time to rest. I think that's a, a very realistic possibility. And along with that, like I said, I'm concerned about our, our offensive game plan. I think I'm highly concerned that we're going to come out just way too conservative. And that's just not going to win this game, which is, it's just not. They're going to score some points on us. Uh, my, you guys know that I, 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 I have to be honest here. I do the If you're new to the show and you've never listened to us before, when it comes to predictions for, for Georgia football, I cannot pick against us. I do not have it in me. It's not in my DNA. I cannot pick against us. 
but I also want to be intellectually honest. And there are games where I don't I don't feel super confident. I don't feel like we're going to win, but I just can't hear and say, yep, I'm picking us to lose. I just can't do it. I can't do it. I can't do it. I'll, I'll own that. Call me a homer if you want. I'll own it. So what I do is the confidence pick, and I, on a scale of 1 to 10, I give you my confidence level in this game. And uh, Kurt, I'm, I'm kind of with you, man. Uh, right now, I'm... I'm not as confident as I was that we were going to pull this game out. Right now, my confidence meter is at a four. I still think it's a toss-up. I thought this game was a toss-up all along. Um, before the Easton injury, I would have leaned slightly our way. I probably would have had my confidence meter at a six, a toss-up slightly leaning our way. But with Easton out and with the uncertainty of what our offensive game plan is going to look like, it's not a Jake Fromm thing. I believe in Jake Fromm if we let him do his thing. I believe in the guy. I think he can get the job done. But I just don't know if I believe in our coaches to allow him to get the job done and take the handcuffs, to take the handcuffs off of him to allow him to do what it takes to win the game. So because of that, I'm I'm leaning slightly towards Notre Dame here. It's a, still kind of a toss up. We absolutely could win this game. I'm not sitting here predicting a loss, but I think it's a toss up that might slightly lean towards uh, the Notre Dame side. Uh, I do think we are more talented as a whole and are better equipped to stop their offense than they are equipped to stop ours. Just due to the fact that we have a couple of true game changers on defense, guys like Roquan Smith and Trent Thompson, Jonathan Ledbetter, while they are completely lacking anyone who fits that description on their defense side of the ball, I do think if our defensive line shows up, like I said earlier, and wins the battle in the trenches, we will be in very good shape as long as our offensive staff doesn't handcuff Jake Fromm. And as I've stated many times on this show already, I'm not all that confident that that's going to happen. I think they will handcuff him to a degree. And I get you want to protect the quarterback and you don't want him to make mistakes on the road and lose a game. I get all that, but we're not going to win this game. They're going to, they're too good offensively for us to take that strategy. It's just, I, I don't see that working. So that's why I'm concerned. That's why I had this at a four. But regardless, man, it's going to be a hell of a time. I cannot wait to get up there. I'll be heading up there Thursday Early afternoon, uh, making my way to South Bend. A lot of guys are staying in Chicago. If everyone has a great time in Chicago, it's a great town. Um, but for me and my wife and our traveling crew, we like to be in the area we're going to be staying in uh, where the games going to be played. We don't want to be traveling to and from on game day. So we'll be in South Bend. Uh, hopefully we see a lot of you guys up there. It's going to be awesome to see how many people, how many uh, Georgia fans show up, all the red and black in the stadium. Hope everyone has a great time. It's going to be awesome. Hopefully, I mean, God, it'll be epic if we can pull this one off. I know it's really it's a non-conference game. The grand scheme of things doesn't really matter all that much. But for perception purposes, it'd be huge to win this game. And uh, it'd be huge for Kirby Smart to get this win and keep rolling, uh, especially with a with a true freshman quarterback making, quarterback making his first start. All right, guys. Well, that's all we have for you today. We'd love to hear your thoughts on the game. Hit us up on Twitter, at Glory underscore UGA. Tell us what you think. Tell us where we're right. Tell us where we're wrong. Um, definitely want to hear uh, what you guys have on this game. But for Curtis, I'm Tyler. And as always, guys, thanks for listening and go dogs. <laughs>